Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. So today I want to uh, talk to you about keep it moving. Keep it moving. And that's, we're going to go to Acts chapter 1. Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 1. And we're going to read a few verses here. And uh, from the author Luke, ultimately the author is the Holy Spirit who inspired Luke to write these words. And Luke is writing his, this account to a man by the name of Theophilus. And both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, it's basically volume 1 and volume 2 of all he wanted this man to know about the life of Jesus. Um, Luke has a definite ending, but Acts never ends. It's continuing to be written even today. Acts chapter 1 and verse 1 says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Verse 9, now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by him in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, say this same Jesus, who was taken up from You into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Thank you, Father, for this time together, Lord, with this wonderful family, this wonderful gathering of believers, those that are here, those that are viewing by our live stream, God, and those are listening by podcast. I thank you for your blessing upon every hearer now, Lord, that you would grant to them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Lord, we want to know you more today. As the Apostle Paul made it his decree, of all the things that I've learned and all the accomplishments in my life, none of that compares to the glory of knowing Jesus. So Lord, we want to know you more today. Thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word, your spoken word, your preached word. And Lord, we understand that when we hear the word, faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Thank you for the power that your word holds. Lord, that the worlds, are stay, they stay together. They operate and function, are in place, and they live and move and have their me- being by the power of your word, Lord, or the word of your power. And Lord, we thank you that your word is life to those who find it and health to all of their flesh. So we receive it and all the benefits it brings to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So this book here, 
that the physician, Dr. Luke, wrote. Uh, these verses that we see here are the hours between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension into heaven. And from these verses that we just read, we're going to discover five key ingredients today uh, for building the church and to keep it moving in the earth today. And uh, I've, I've been around the world and was in Uganda back in July, as you remember, and I see that the church is continuing to be built from this side of the world all the way to that side. And it's wonderful to see the people of God gathering together to bless his name, to bring glory to him, and to get this message continually out, that, uh, this glorious gospel. Let's look back at verse 3 in, in Acts chapter 1 for a moment, if you would, with me. It says, To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. The first key ingredient that we see to keep it moving, to continue to build the church, is the message. And their message was, he's alive. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. The, 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 the larger picture is Christ died for our sins, and he was buried, and he rose again from the dead. But Paul said, if you don't believe that Christ is risen, then your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. And we are of uh, the most pitiable men on planet earth if it's not true. But since it is true, it is the message that we preach. And Paul even said, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's the acknowledgement, the belief that he is risen. Amen. So this, this, this Greek word for proof is the, includes the idea of being convincing, that from that from which something is surely and plainly known. So Luke, from the very beginning, established that the Christian religion uh, is based on historical facts. And uh, first and foremost is the fact of the miraculous resurrection of Jesus. Um, and the resurrection will be demonstrated uh, by many convincing proofs. And once proven, then it is the proof of everything else that really matters. So there are some categories for the proof of his resurrection. And one of those things is that his disciples saw him. They saw him with their own eyes. He appeared to them during this 40 days. In fact, Luke is the only writer that lets us know that <clears throat> the scripture tells us that his post-resurrection ministry covered a span of 40 days. He also says that these disciples, they, they eyeballed him for 40 days. And throughout different occasions and different times, they saw him again and again, not merely once, but many times during this 40 days. And uh, on 10 different occasions, this is a, a very interesting, uh, Jesus appeared to the disciples that we have scriptural account of. And um, History leaves no doubt about his resurrection. The first five sightings of Jesus took place actually on the day that he was raised from the dead. And the next five are mentioned sometime after that. Thank you, love. You saw me struggling, didn't you? That's what, 23 years will get you right there. <sighs> so... When you read the different gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll kind of put the whole picture together. John talks about that it was Mary Magdalene uh, that first morning. She went out actually to the tomb while it was still dark, just before sunrise. Matthew's account 
says that it was Mary Magdalene and another Mary. Um, there were the disciples that only Luke gives this account of, the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and gives it in great detail. Um, also in that same chapter, Luke 24, it says that Jesus appeared to Simon Peter in the afternoon sometime. And then ultimately to all the disciples in the upper room when he appeared to them said, peace be to you. And this all happened on the same day that he rose from the dead. And then there were other times, uh, again, uh, to the disciples so that Thomas might see and his doubts would for once for all be silenced. And when Thomas saw him, because the first time Jesus appeared, Thomas wasn't there. And he said, no, unless I put my hand, thrust my hand in his side or put my fingers into the nail prints, I won't believe. Well, when Jesus did show up and he said, Thomas... Don't be unbelieving, but believing. And he presented his body for him to test him in that way, to touch him and to put his hand in that nail print. And then Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have still believed. And he's talking about you here today, praise God. And not seen him, but yet you still believe. You've not seen him, but yet you know him by faith. And then there were John chapter 21. There were seven that were out fishing, one of those being Peter, you remember when Jesus was cooking fish on the, on the seashore and, and called them out to them, have you any food? And they said, we've been you know, working all that, haven't caught anything. And he said, cast your net to the other side of the boat, and they caught 153 large fish. Uh, then Paul t- teaches us, who, Paul who was not an eyewitness uh, during their time, but he did see Jesus later on. And he says that there were 500, you can read this account in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that there were 500 that Jesus appeared to during that 40 days uh, also to James personally, which was his half-brother, and then to the disciples on the Mount of Olives, where we just read right before his ascent into heaven. So um, interestingly enough, when you read all four uh, gospel accounts of Jesus' resurrection from the dead and who saw him after his resurrection, you get different sides of the story. While writing their accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and even Paul, didn't try to line up their stories with each other. Um, they just told it as it was. Some of them through their own experience uh, and or a revelation of the Holy, by the Holy Spirit. So these, that alone is a strong indicator that the stories of Jesus being raised from the dead are true because they weren't trying to fabricate the same thing. They just told it as it was. And when you read them, then you start really be, beginning to put the pieces to the puzzle together. Just like in a courtroom, one of the greatest pieces of evidence uh, needed to present a case is an eyewitness account. And the more the merrier, because uh, they don't all necessarily have to line up from their angle, but basically they'll all tell the same story, all those who witnessed it. And so this is that witness of his resurrection, though they don't all say the same thing, but they all still give witness to the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. It's powerful. And not only that, but these all went to their deaths, claiming that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. And he did rise. And that's our message, and we're sticking to it. And because we have proof, Jesus' own words, predicting that this would happen beforehand, and sure enough, it did. There's an empty tomb. There's 500-plus witnesses. Uh, Also, the disciples heard him. Not only saw uh, saw him, but they also heard him. In Acts 1-3, it says, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. They also touched him. You know, John said, that which we have seen, that which we have handled with our own hands concerning the word of life. 
And um, also, they fed him. He ate with us, they said. Peter talked about that. Remember when he went to Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10? And, and can we bring that up? Acts 10, verse 40 through 41. He's, it's the first Gentile convert in Acts chapter 10. It says, Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, verse 41, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. So Jesus was showing them, I'm not just an apparition. I'm not a ghost. I am in a physical body, a physical man risen from the dead. So give me something to eat and I'll prove it to you. So that, that assurance gave them boldness to preach this message to the very people who had crucified him. And it was a belief in the reality of the resurrection that turned the apostles from being fearful skeptics at one point to very bold and powerful witnesses. And John's John the Apostle goes even beyond this and declares that the, the ground of faith and life in Jesus Christ is the historical evidence that Jesus was seen, was heard, was handled during those post-resurrection appearances. And we could go on and on about that, but this message lives on and it continues to be a key ingredient in building the church. And let's go to verse 4 of Acts chapter 1. You guys all right? And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Remember, John said those very words. You can read this account in Luke chapter 3 and verse 16. And John said, uh, for I truly I baptized with water, but there's one mightier than I who's coming, the latchet of whose shoe I am not worthy to unloose, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The second key ingredient in building the church is the mark. This would mark them forever. This moment, this event in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell upon all them. Remember, they were all seated together, one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And then it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That event uh, would, would go on to separate them from the rest of the world. And this would mark their life. And the others would clearly see that they were operating in a wisdom that they didn't acquire on their own. In Acts chapter 4, when they were watching, they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And they said they understood that they were not educated men. Education didn't get them this. They understood they had been with Jesus. And influenced by something outside of their self. It's amazing what the infilling of the Spirit does for a believer's life. I've seen it time and time again. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my family's life. Um, y'all remember Matt Viscaino, who, who's uh, been a member of our church for years, and he and his wife Kat went with Derek and Jennifer when they uh, took our Dallas campus, and now they're doing their own church there called Hope City Dallas. And Matthew... Uh, Matt is Derek's right-hand man there. Well, the first time I met Matt was out in West Texas 20 years ago, probably, somewhere around there. Oh, not quite 20. Yeah, 16, 17, something like that. And um, I was a, an associate pastor and worship leader uh, of a church there called Christian Faith Center. And so we had had morning service, and Matt and Kat showed up as visitors that morning. And so later that evening, we had a, a small group. <laughs> And so we had a little Bible study there, and, and so I, I asked if anybody had any prayer needs, and so I, 
took a few requests down and had us all stand up together. And we're a spirit-filled church, you know, so we speak in tongues together. And, and then we pray in English as well. So as I said, well, let's just pray in the Spirit for a few minutes. And as we're praying in the Spirit, unbeknownst to me, there's a whole other story going on in the room because I'm involved in the prayer. And Matt Viscaino is trying to jump out of his skin. He's trying to get out of the room, and, and he's kind of caught because there's a couch behind him. He said, I was thinking of every way to just somehow leap over that couch and run out of that house. I had no clue that was even going on, you know. Well, Kat had been exposed to a spirit-filled kind of uh, life because she would, was raised of that in part of her childhood, and so it didn't freak her out, but Matt, uh, it was a whole new experience for him. And so later on, we get a call that this happened. I thought, oh, gosh, I wish I would have known that. Oh, you know, I'm sorry that that, that happened. And, uh, and so Kat said, well, would you be willing to meet with us and kind of explain these things from the Scriptures to Matt? Because, you know, Matt's a pretty simple guy, you know, if he can see it from the Bible. I said, sure, I'll be happy to. A couple days later, we met for dinner, and I took my Bible, and I just started walking him through the New Testament, why we pray in the Spirit, why we believe tongues is important for the believer. And, uh, and after it was done, I'll never forget it. And I, I, you know, any questions he had, I answered those questions. And then he goes, all right, good enough for me. We'll see you next Sunday at church. And so they came. It was just that matter of fact. And a whole year goes by. And a, about a year later, Matt personally received the infilling of the Spirit and began speaking in other tongues. This past week at Resonate, at our kids' camp. They had an incredible camp, by the way. They had 112 kids. They were at capacity. This is our fifth year being involved with Resonate, and plus all the, the leaders that they had there. I mean, it was just a tremendous time. But there's a young boy by the name of Blake, whose mother is sitting right here, who Miss Brandy Cooksey told me that they'd been praying for Blake for about a year to receive the infilling of the Spirit. And Matt Viscaino laid his hands on Blake, and he spoke in other tongues at kids' camp. This mark changes everything. You come to the place where you are not the same any longer. Your life is going in a new direction. It's a new way of doing ministry. And you, by this mark, begins, Jesus said, so that you will be my witnesses. Wow. So this isn't power to be a witness. That's not what Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says. He says you will receive power and you will be witnesses. In other words, this will be the fruit from you receiving that power. Wow. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? Look at verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, I got a little ahead of myself there. Uh, they, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now you have to understand the disciples are not asking an outlandish question here because they knew the prophecies of old. They knew that Jesus Christ, they knew that the Redeemer, when he comes, he is going to sit on the literal throne of David. And when Jesus initially came, and you remember on the the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, just a couple of days before Jesus was crucified, when he's coming in and and they sit him on the donkey and they're laying palm branches and and their clothes out in front of him and they're saying, Hosanna in the highest, the king of Israel, you know? And they're thinking this is the moment he's ushering in the kingdom and he's going to overthrow this Roman rule once and for all, praise God, and, and, and the kingdom will be established. Well, it didn't happen. He dies a few days later and they're thinking... This was not supposed to happen like this. 
So now that he has fulfilled what he said he would do to be killed, to be crucified for our sins, to be buried and be risen from the dead, now they go, now is it now time, Jesus? So that wasn't an, an odd question for them to ask. But look what Jesus says. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has put in his own authority. This third key ingredient in building the church and to keep it moving is about the mindset. This is about the mindset. To set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. To be set your mind on things that God has revealed to you, not what he has not revealed to you. You know, I, I find it interesting that a lot of believers find themselves trying to look at the gray areas rather than the simple black and white truths. Yeah. And, and, and God has given you so much already revealed information. And if you will set your mind on that, what he's already brought to you, then you'll live in truth and you'll stay out of that confusion. Heather and I, when, uh, let's see, it was Wednesday. It was Wednesday evening. We were walking down South Congress there and was it Congress? We met those guys or somewhere in there, whatever, doing some shopping. And there were these three guys with these red shirts that had uh, the, the embroidered on their shirts, Save the Children. And, uh, which is a great charity, by the way. It's a great organization. So they asked us if we wanted to, you know, donate to that and stuff. And so I just told them what we are already invested in and uh, as far as our church and the missions that we're supporting. A lot of that has to do with orphan children and, and children who are in need. And so that's where we put our, our efforts. But we love what they're doing, you know. And, and as I'm talking about our church, this guy says, oh, so you're a Christian? I said, yes. And he said, I gotta, you got to talk to somebody. So he hollers at this other guy across the street, right? And this guy comes running over, and he says, hey, this guy's a Christian, and he's, he's quoted a couple of Bible verses to you, uh, to me, and, and the guy's like, oh, really? So he goes right into talking to me about keeping the feast and the, the festivals and keeping the Ten Commandments. I'm like, oh, boy, what am I got myself into here? All right, here we go. And um, so I, we just start talking about the gospel, the gospel. I said, what is the gospel? And he just talked about how God's grace came to save us. But you know, uh, he also commands us to keep the feast and do the, the works of the law. And that's how we gain salvation. I went, I said, okay. Well, you and I are going to disagree big time here. I said, because there's this apostle called Paul who was the apostle to the Gentile. I said, and he taught, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. And this is what he said. <sighs> yeah, Paul, there he is, bringing more trouble. I said, what? He said, even Peter said that Paul, uh, uh, Paul's words are hard to understand. I said, yeah, they're hard to understand for a Jew. It, was very, it wasn't hard for Gentiles to understand. They heard the gospel, Christ died for your sins. He was buried, he rose again from the dead. I said, Jew, Gentiles get saved by this proclamation. Jews get saved by revelation. They have, to, they have to have their minds making the connection. That's why their gospel is to repent and believe or repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. Ours is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the centrality of both messages. But the way those gospels of priests are quite a bit different. I, and, and he said, oh, I, I said, so the fact that you would even say that, he said, no, I follow Jesus. I follow Jesus. I said, no, you don't, because Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So 
as a Gentile, you'll follow through him. You know, it was just this long conversation. Two hours later, we're having a good time. But before I, before, but the whole thing stayed friendly. It really did. And, and, uh, but before it was all said and done, I said, hey, remember this. If we've discussed a lot of things here today. But at the end of the day, if you're trusting in you and Jesus, that's not going to get you to heaven. You have to fully trust him in him alone. He doesn't need your works. He has paid the full price. Jesus said, it is finished. Fully trust in him. Your works and those things, they will help you with your rewards in heaven. They will not earn heaven for you. That's impossible. Jesus earned that for you. Anyway, so it was interesting to see this young man who's so fired up about the things of God with the wrong mindset. And you have to get the right mindset. The scripture says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, major on what God is majoring on. Can I get a good amen this morning? Amen. Don't spend your time on things you can't explain or things that have not been revealed to you. What's on important to God? His word, his promises. Verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see that? You see what this power is going to be able to do? It's going to cause you to be a witness to every kind of people group. The gospel is the message for every kind of people group. Praise God. It's the answer for all the world. The fourth key ingredient in keeping things moving and building the church. Everybody say moxie. Amen. You got to have moxie, courage, nerve, the skill, the know-how. But that's all going to come by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to be able to keep this to yourself. Your mission is to live your life to show Jesus to the world. Notice what he said in Jerusalem. Well, what happened in Jerusalem? Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem, right there amongst their enemies to preach this gospel. In Judea, this is where Jesus was rejected by many of his own people. The doubters were there. That's where you go preach the gospel. In Samaria, these are the half-breed Jews, also racists. But this gospel is the answer for them and to the ends of the earth, all the way out to McKinney, Texas, where those Gentile, bacon-eating pagan Gentiles live Any pagans out there today? <laughs> In other words, we're going glocal. Amen. Hallelujah. We start here, and the message we preach here locally is the message we also preach globally. John chapter 4, verse 14. Listen to this. But Jesus says, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now, Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well, but he's really showing us what salvation is here by this picture of water, that it will become a fountain springing up into everlasting life. That is your personal faith in Jesus Christ that gives you this fountain, hallelujah, that never runs dry and it springs up into everlasting life. But then there's another experience that Jesus talks about in John chapter 7. Look at John chapter 7, verse 38 for a moment. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So it's not just something uh, springing up inside of him. Now it's something that's flowing out of him. Okay? Uh, will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39. 
But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. See, this is the difference. This is from taking you to it just being a personal experience. And then that baptism in the Spirit causes you to be a witness. Whoo, hallelujah. It, is, it, it just starts flowing out of you now. Now, when he had spoken these things, verse 9, while they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by him in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will also come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. The fifth key ingredient in building the church of the living God and keeping it moving is the motivation. Jesus is coming back again. Amen. And heaven is our home, and God is our Father. And because of what Jesus has done by shedding his blood, we are here to make sure that Jesus gets as much of the reward that he earned by shedding his blood as possible. We want to bring many people into the kingdom of God to offer them up to Jesus. They are his reward. We are his reward. And we want to help him get all that he paid for. Hallelujah. Because Jesus Christ deserves every soul of man by what he's done. By his love, his grace, his sacrifice. And keep your eyes on Jesus. This is our motivation to fulfill our calling as believers. To keep your eyes on him. Building his church. Loving others. Serving the Lord with all of your heart. He is coming back for a glorious church. And his return is imminent. Praise God. And he's the reason why we are who we are and why we do what we do. The message, the mark, the mindset, the moxie, and the motivation, these are key ingredients. They were key ingredients in establishing and launching and establishing and continuing to build the church even to this day and to keep the movement going. Amen. Father, thank you for your grace that you have so abundantly bestowed upon us through your Son. Your Word teaches us that if you did not spare your own Son, how shall you not with him also freely give us all things? We thank you, Lord, that every good thing in our life is from you. James said it like this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning, which means you are only going to bring blessing. You're only going to bring good things into our life, and you're never going to change because that's who you are, and that's what you give. Thank you for this word to us today. And, Lord, we will do our part to keep things moving. We'll do our part, what you've called us to do, to keep this message in our lips. As Paul taught us in 2 Corinthians, that now we have received the ministry of reconciliation. We have this ministry, this word of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Thank you, Lord, that you truly, truly got over our sin through your son's sacrifice. And today we stand free in him, free in him. Lord, help us to be bold witnesses, bold witnesses for your glory, to take this message wherever we go, Lord, to not be afraid, to not be silent, 
but to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Thank you, Lord, for what you've caused here in this gathering with One Cause Church here in McKinney and Irving and Granbury and wherever else you've had us, Lord. We thank you, Father God, that you've given us places where we can turn a light on and be a city on a hill and so that we can uh, let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. And Lord, we will do what we can do here to make sure that as many people come into the kingdom of God as we possibly can through this message that we deliver because it is the power of God to salvation, this glorious gospel to everyone who believes. Bless all these here today, Lord. Thank you for your great grace upon them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.